Welcome in. This is the Night Shift on Wildcat 91.9. I'm your host, Cole Carmody, and to my right, the ever-so-loyal Mr. Ryan Volk, and joining us in studio for the first half hour to my left, Mr. Colin Settle, fellas. How's it going this evening? Living the dream, man. Can't complain. That's what I like to hear. Hey, man, Masters are going. Shout out Tommy Fleetwood for that hole-in-one. I'm ha- I mean, I'm having a good day. It's been a good day. The Masters are on TV. Final Four, National Championship game just got over with. Baseball is back in full swing. Spring football just ended for K-State. We're going to talk about all that here and much more on the night shift. And this is where I want to start. On Saturday, there was football. And I don't know if you guys paid much attention to it because if you didn't have to, well, you know what? That's okay. You didn't have to because you didn't miss much. But there was some major takeaways, and what I'm talking about is K-State football had a one-hour open practice where you could come in and you could watch. And I always found it funny because, you know, like traditional spring games, people come and they tailgate and it's a big experience or whatever, but how do you know when to cheer? Like, if they score a touchdown, do you cheer or do you get mad because they just scored on your defense? Like, I found that, I always have found that interesting. My, my like, I hate spring games because it's like always you just show up and you just got that mental clock running in your head until some idiot just says, well, I wonder who's going to win today. You guys think K-State's going to win today? I hate it. But now spring games are fun. I mean, you get a, a chance to see what everybody's working on and how, how some guys have progressed. And so uh, I wish I could have made it, but, you know, circumstance. I didn't get to go. But um, now spring games are fun. I, I do kind of miss them. I feel like it, they're kind of going away. So. I think the fact that they scheduled it on Easter weekend was not very fortunate for Because, I mean, I went home for Easter. I went and saw my family. My family's down in Dallas. So, I mean, I'm seven hours away. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to be able to make it. But, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoy spring games. I think a lot of my favorite things that I've experienced here at K-State, I got Josh Freeman's autograph at a spring game. Go. I got Tyler Lockett's autograph at a spring game. I mean, you know, there's some fun things to come out of it. But, I mean, overall, it's kind of like – the preseason in the NFL, yeah. <laughs> like what's what's it's spring point? training? I mean, yeah, I always have been the uh, I have always been of the opinion that there should be like a jamboree. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but in they don't really do that in high school football in Kansas because I don't think you can, according to Keisha, you can I think, now. I think you can now, I, I, but I don't think when we it were was like in it school, was a new thing like right after I graduated. Yeah. I think so. Basically, what it is is schools get together and they scrimmage, and so on one fifty. Um, to, towards one end zone, you have two teams, and then from the 50 to the other end zone, you have another two teams. <clears throat> I always thought it would be cool if, let's say K-State goes and plays, you know, I don't know, Iowa or Tulsa, or it's like geographically a team that unless they make it to a bowl, they're never going to play. I think it would be cool if you got to see like a little preseason football, hold it at Arrowhead or something and pay admission. I think that'd be cool. Can you do like a, I mean, you could almost do like a three-team like scramble could, type yeah. thing, kind of like a camp where, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be fun. I mean, I guarantee that'd put butts in seats, but I don't know. You think Arrowhead could hold that? or the, I I would put it at the bill, but that's just me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I guess you could play it on campuses. It really, I think it would, just, it would just get people more excited about football, but I'm sure it's against NCAA rules, you know, stupid NCAA rules like that. I don't know. I think neutral site might attract more people. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'd pay good money, but I'd pay... Oh a yeah, bit, I'm a not, little bit to go see I don't like K State, K State versus alone. Nebraska, yeah. a little preseason. Oh yeah, I'd I'd pay good money to see that at Arrowhead. Because something to something to bring back bring back old flames. Because yeah. you got to think too, like 
And they get KU in Missouri. There's your yeah, exactly, right exactly. There, yeah. there you go. And you got to think like, you know, the odds of getting hurt in a scrimmage are just and as it's good mainly, as the it's odds mainly of like seven on seven. Guys. It's not like it's yeah. not full contact. Of course, you're gonna have like your, keep them up, your keep seven them on up. seven with your athletes, and then the lineman will probably be in the corner doing like some <laughs> stretches or something. But I think it'd be cool. I think it could. I mean, it could be a possibility. That that should be our invention. Who do we have to talk to to get like? <laughs> to get something planned for four teams to play on Arrowhead, could we do that? I as think a collective? we. I think we need to go talk to Clark Hunt and Gene Taylor, and then I know a there. guy, so we'll see. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, but I will say, from the one hour we got to see, there was not a whole lot. I mean, it was just like you know me as somebody who played football and knows what practices look like. I expected it to be a practice, but you have these fans that come in and they're disappointed because. The twos are going against the twos, and the threes are going against the threes. And, oh, yeah, and then five minutes in, a horn sounds, and we got to do punt team. They're like, well, what doesn't make any sense? Like, no, yeah, it does. That's football practice. It's literally an open practice. It's not an open scrimmage. But with all of that being said, there were some things that I want to get your guys' opinion on. And the first is the quarterback position. And Ryan and I have talked about this multiple times. But I will just say this. Skylar Thompson looked heads and shoulders above, heads and shoulders better than every other quarterback on the field, and it wasn't even close. Does that like shock you? Well, this is this is what this is what I'm asking. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? No, that's a bad thing. I mean, it's all right. I I personally don't even think it's a good thing that he's here because of that. I mean, how are we we going to get these guys to to progress and be able to play? But. How is that a good thing to where you have you know you you have this guy for maybe another season, and then you have to go down a whole head and shoulders length just to get to your next quarterback? So I mean, <clears throat> I personally, I, I I once again don't like the decision, but that's for an opinion for another day. But I think it is a bad thing. I mean, I I'll, I'll disagree just to just to disagree. I think having a guy that is that experienced that is heads and shoulders, you don't want to have like. For mediocre quarterbacks where, you know, right. nobody can learn from anybody. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, I wasn't there. All of my updates that I got were on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. And Jake Rubley reportedly on Twitter looked like a redshirt freshman. He just mm-hmm. didn't look good. Will Howard looked like the Will Howard that we saw. And then, you know, from what you're saying here that Skylar Thompson and, – and I personally – I don't know your guys' opinions. I love Skylar Thompson. I, Big I'm Skylar in that Thompson boat as well, guy. Yeah. Big, I'm, a big, I'm just a big fan. I have been ever since he came out of high school in Missouri. I – like, I saw his commit on Twitter. I remember where I was. It was like one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, this is gonna be this guy's going to be really good. And it turns out, you know, he is statistically. But, yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. I was kind of indifferent to where, you know, if he if he leaves, good for him. You know, go live your life, man. If you think your time is up, by all means, please go. But if he were to come back, which he has, like, I'm all for it. I'm going to support him either way. That was just my opinion. But, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good to have somebody like that that is experienced – that play it. That has played in close games. He's played well. He's had his tough losses. It's just somebody else to learn from. Yeah, and and I'm I'm of that camp too. It's because and I, I'm I'm in that camp because we don't know how good Jake Ridley's going to be. We don't know how good Will Howard's going to be. We have Skylar Thompson here for another year. You know that he's better than those guys. Last year didn't count. So theoretically, you still have four years of Jake Rubley. And four, five, potentially five years of Jake Rubley and four years of Will Howard. So I don't think one year is going to necessarily make or break their career. I think it only um, adds to 
their potential. Uh, I'm going to play a clip from Chris Kleiman. This was earlier in the week after the spring game, kind of just wrapping up and talking about it as a whole. Um, really pleased with uh, how we finished up spring ball last Saturday. We had practice 15 um, last Saturday and, and uh, had a little scrimmage at the end. Most of it was just practice, but uh, I look over the totality of what we accomplished over those 15 practices. And then prior to that, uh, our winter conditioning, it's it's a strange year because we there is no break. We didn't have spring break. We didn't have any time really off. We jumped right into winter conditioning when the guys got back. And then right from winter conditioning, went to spring ball, which was really good, I thought, for us uh, as a staff to keep the guys around. And we went through 15 practices and went Monday, Wednesday, Friday, early morning. So the guys were here by 530 in the morning, getting themselves taped and ready and meetings and quick breakfast to get out on the field. And then Tuesday, Thursday, we had meetings in the morning as well. So it was a grind. Uh, for the guys, for the coaches, for the players, but uh, a really productive time that we spent and uh, uh, really pleased with the progress that we've made through 15 practices, some areas of, of, of strength that I really like. I think our offensive line uh, has just come leaps and bounds from from where we were last year at this time when we had all the new guys and didn't have spring ball, but uh, um, that's just one area that uh, really excited about the growth. So. He mentions the offensive line, and I want to talk about them in a second. But before I do that, I want to talk about the tight end position because I think that position as a whole is so interesting. And a little plug for myself, I'm going to be coming out with a piece um, on Go Powercat, so I'm not going to give my whole thoughts away, but I want to say that I think that position has a chance to be the most successful besides the running back position and obviously do spawn. I think that position can be the most surprising on the team, just solely based upon the fact that we have no idea what we're getting out of Daniel Imaterbebe, and we really have no idea what we're going to get out of Sammy Wheeler. And Nick Lenners has been here for forever and seems to never produce, produce to his full potential. You have all three of those guys back now. Am I crazy to think that this tight end position could either go extremely boom or it could go extremely bust? Or what are your guys' thoughts on that? I'm... <clears throat> I don't know. I'm a part of me is thinking that like we're gonna be in for some kind of huge change. I don't know if it's gonna be this year or next year, but the way like everything's ra- like pulling together, I feel like we're gonna go from where we how we have been with running the football with the quarterback, and it's just gonna be pound and pound and pound, and then over the top a few times. I don't know. I think that we're gonna like change, and I think that this is gonna we're gonna grow into. I'm not gonna say an air raid offense, but we're gonna spread the ball out. So I do think in the coming years, and maybe once again not this year, but I think Sammy Wheeler, Nick Linners, all these guys in the coming years could have big seasons because of that change. So I don't know the way. the The thing that sparks that whole thing for me is like the fact that they brought Jake Ribley in. I mean, he's not mobile. You mm-hmm. watch his highlights; it's it's he throws dots, but he can't run, and so he doesn't. In my mind, he doesn't fit our system. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm no expert by by any means. I'm just on a student radio station. So. <laughs> Doesn't that make you an expert? <laughs> I guess. I guess if you want to listen to me, I might as well be an expert. But no, I don't know. That's just what I. That's where I'm thinking. I mean, you were talking about the running back room, and I. I just honestly, I knew like two tight ends. So I look at the roster. The smallest tight end that we have on the roster right now is Andrew Sonner, who's a who's a true freshman, who's six three two twenty seven. The smallest tight end we have is two hundred twenty seven pounds. I'm not thinking pass catching. I'm thinking blocking from the tight end perspective we have a lot of big bodies 
I like the offensive line, which is another group that you were talking about a second ago. I think with the returning offensive line that we have, I don't think we had no one graduating. No, right? everybody's back. Everybody's back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the chemistry, because everyone dogged on them after after the first game of the year last year. And it, it was this whole thing, and then they got improved, and they were so much better by the end of the year. And I think you throw in these just big Haas tight end guys to also help block, throw in some double tight, maybe even triple tight sets. I mean, I think I think overall, I think we're going to see a lot of more blocking sets from mm-hmm. the tight ends just because of their size. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a big mismatch too. I mean, that's the one thing that I noticed about him, Otter Bebe, was he is a big dude. Like, he's listed as, I think, 6'4", 240, but... He is he is rock solid muscle and that really impressed me. And the thing that I've always liked about Sammy Wheeler, he's a converted quarterback. He has the speed to where he's going to be a mismatch for linebackers. You can line him up in the slot and he's going to be a mismatch as far as he's going to be able to outrun linebackers. Is he strong enough to be an every down tight end? Probably not yet. But I like his um his mismatch uh, if he's going up against a linebacker. I really like that. Um another thing as we wrap up Football talk here. The defense I just want to touch on real quick. My main takeaways for the defense had to do with the linebacker position because the secondary looked great. The secondary is going to be great. You got two transfers in Rush East and Julius Brents from uh, Louisville and Iowa, respectively, who are going to be starters. Then you bring back Jerron McPherson and not to mention Echo Boydo and Justin Gardner, who you're starting corners last year. And the secondary is looking very good. The only question mark I have is with the linebacker position. Who is going to play linebacker for this team? <laughs> Please tell me. That is a great question, honestly. I mean, you have your your Cody Fletcher, you know he's going to be in there, and then Daniel Green, but after that, it's question mark after question mark after question mark. You don't really know who's going to fit in that role. I mean, you don't know where Ryan Hennington comes into play, Wayne Jones comes into play, who's a, a – I mean, he'd be more of a, a nickel linebacker than anything, mm-hmm. I think, but – I, that's a great question, Cole. Honestly, I don't, Colin, what are your thoughts? Because I don't, I don't know. I I agree. I like Wayne Jones. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on him. I know prior to last season on my show, I did like a a top players to watch for, and he was one of those guys because two seasons ago he was like second on the team in tackles. He was like fourth in interceptions, fifth in like he he's a good defensive player, and I'm glad that they moved him down. I want to see him in the box more because he can come down field and he can hit. Mm-hmm. Shout out T. Denson as well. Yeah. In the yeah. secondary as well. Just another guy that got playtime as well. One guy that I want to hit on that I think he's he's a defensive end, the Manhattan native Damian Ilalio. Okay. And I'm so glad you knew how to pronounce his name. I've been trying to figure that out so Damian Ilalio. I always thought it was Ilalio. It's Ilalio from the Manhattan guy. Damian Ilalio. He's fast. I called a couple Manhattan games with K-Man here in town. Dude's a monster. He's a commit to K-State. He's a defensive end, nose tackle, you know, typical type player, prototype type player. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can put him out on the end, he can play coverage. I think he's fast enough. He came in at tight end for Manhattan a few times, more in blocking sets. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he came in at tight end. So, I mean, he can move a little bit. He's a bigger guy, but he can move his feet. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, if he can drop back. I'm not saying, like – into some midfield, but maybe like a cloud flat yeah. every now and then, just kind of sneak yeah. off to the side, maybe get uh, you know a little knockdown or a interception. Maybe yeah. who, who knows? I think I think he's a guy to to watch for, especially with 
White Hubert leaving and you know who's gonna who's gonna fill that spot. I really think Damian could be that guy. And you mentioned a little dropout into the flat. Nate Matlack got an interception. The the freshman from Olathe East High School uh, in this in the spring quote unquote game um, this past Saturday. So definitely lots of options on the defensive side of the football. Just happy to be talking football. It's gonna be here before we know it. And um, this Saturday was just kind of the little taste before. Everything gets to roll, and they'll take a little break, and then they'll be back for the summertime. The guys will get to work, and K-State will open up their fall season in Dallas, Texas, against the Stanford Cardinal. I'm switching things up a little bit here. I want to play a quote from Pete Hughes. K-State baseball opens up a three-game set this weekend at Texas. Um, I had a chance to talk to Pete after the game. Uh, I want to say last night? Yes, it was last night. They played last night? Yeah, they played this. Yeah, this was last night. You know, the days just run together. Baseball is played <laughs> every day, so it's like, okay, well, how many games? Okay, they play this night. So, yeah, it runs together. Anyways, here's Pete Hughes. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I haven't even looked at Texas. Um, I just don't I don't like doing that. It's, it's bad karma, you know. <laughs> so if I skip it ahead to an opponent, and I had some time today, you know, and I didn't do it just for that reason, but – I do know time. Well, he, we played against him two years ago. Ties, it's a big arm. And, uh, you know, I, I just love the venue. I love Jordan going against Ty. I think it's great for our, our program. I think it's great for the Big Twelve. It's great for college baseball. And, um, that, that's what these guys live for, you know. So it's, it's it should be an exciting night, and the hype will be great. And, uh, you know, it's. I don't know how how we will game plan Ty at the moment, but. Um, it should be a really fun atmosphere. Nothing like a Friday night with those two guys going at each other. So that was Pete Hughes talking about Ty Madden for Texas, who's going to be a first-round draft pick, and Jordan Wicks going for K-State, who's also going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, it sucks that these games are on the Longhorn Network because if you're just a casual baseball fan, it's going to be some high-level baseball played, especially tomorrow night. Um I want to talk to Colin about this specifically because you watch a lot of K-State baseball. Uh, he's the, uh, officially the home of the Zach Kakoska fan account on Twitter, so that is that is always a plus. Um, they're just a lot of fun to watch right now. I Okay, okay. First of all, I just want to hit on something that, that Pete Hughes said, that he doesn't want to look forward to an opponent especially like Texas. Yeah, that's bullcrap. I did not believe that for a second. There's no way. If there's one week that you should overlook an opponent, it's the what, two, are they two and 18 now? Arkansas, Pine Bluff. If you're going to overlook an opponent, this is the opponent to overlook. I don't believe a word that he just said about not looking at Texas. Not at all. But, jeez. But... As far as as far as things go right now, I yeah I am the host to the to the Zach Kikoska <laughs> fan account on Twitter. Do do you know anything about so okay so during football season, uh, the Blake Lynch fan the account. Blake Lynch so that's how it originated. Oh, yeah. So okay. so I'm a big fan of uh, the Bosco's boys on okay. Twitter and everything like that. So Grant, who's one of the guys there, uh, shout out Grant and Scott, they're great guys. And I believe it was Grant who had the Deuce Vaughn fan account. Okay. And I wanted to start it, but he got it before I could take it. So I was like, you know, we got to find somebody else. Turned into Blake Lynch. They had a whole thing. Got to talk with Devin Angtel. It was, yeah, it was great. So fast forward to basketball season. I was like, I got to do it again. But then like, no. <laughs> like, it's like, all right, man. I'll take this year off. Basketball was not, was not the way to go. So we come into baseball and I was like, you know what? 
you know what? Let's bring it back. I got to find the right guy, though. And then he comes out and hits a grand slam against, like, New Mexico or yeah. something like that. And I was like, Zach There's Gosford, my guy. That's yeah. the guy right there. That's the guy. So that, that's, that's how that started. But, yeah. And speaking of that, I love the way that the Cats are swinging the bat. Excuse me. I think that's just the best way. Because they, they – I don't know where the, the, the bat cats – like mm-hmm. saying whatever started. I think that's the best way. You look at Dylan Phillips, who mm-hmm. I believe is he the one that's leading the Big Twelve in home runs. Kakaska, right Kakaska. Well, I, I think Kakaska's in second. Jace Young for Texas Tech hit okay. three home runs that's on Friday right, night that's right, that's and overtook right. him. But I Kakaska has ten. I think Jace Young has eleven. So okay, they're right because I know I know Dylan Phillips, has Phillips has close nine. to eight or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's swinging the bat well. Wow. Nick Goodwin, a guy that I talked to, he I think he has four or five home runs. Yeah, I want to say he has six now. Um, God, I mean, you're ahead. I see. I didn't catch the game yesterday. Yeah. I didn't catch the game before, so you know it. it, it you didn't miss it much. I didn't miss much. Yeah, exactly. When you're run ruling, so when, when a college baseball love. team's getting run ruled, you're not missing much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love the way that they're swinging the bat. I think fielding wise, because I know we we were kind of talking about this before the show. P. Hughes is trying to move some guys around. I think the outfield is kind of starting to get figured out. They threw in Cam Usselton. I like Dylan Phillips in center, and then Kakoski in right I think is the right place for him mm-hmm. as well. And then you get Terrence Sperlin back to play first base, which I think is the right move there. And then, you know, you can move Nick Gilwin around in the middle. You can put Cam Willman. Then you got Cam Thompson over at third, and I don't – he's the, the veteran. On he's the been team. there for I, 10 yeah, years. Yeah. I don't think he's going to move. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Five he's going starter. anywhere. Yeah. So I, I think the biggest – question right now is who's playing the middle infield mm-hmm. for me because I think Cam Usselton won that position. I mm-hmm. think he he improved he impressed uh, Pete Hughes enough and he's got that left field spot mm-hmm. kind of locked up just the way that he's been playing in the field and at the plate as well. But yeah, I think the biggest question is who's playing middle infield. Is it Nick Goodwin? Is it God help us Daniel Carinci? <laughs> is it, you know, Cam Willman? Who's yeah. who's playing where? And then in terms of just pitching, because I, I like Chris Tobias. I like him behind the plate. Yeah. He's picked it up on the bat, mm-hmm. whatever. But in terms of pitching, I was really worried about depth because after Jordan Wicks, Carson Seymour, Big Country, shout out Big Country, love that dude. How, how, oh, 6'6", 275. Good old Casey Ford. Can we? Good old boy. Good old Casey Ford. I love Casey Ford. But, you know, after that, you have Connor McCullough, you have uh, uh, Little Jim. Yeah. I mean – there's Eric, lots of Eric options. Torres, you have, you have a lot of like, I think well well known finger quote yeah. pitchers that you can throw out there, but I definitely think that there's a drop off. There definitely you have is. pictures yeah. pitchers with a lot of experience, but not a lot of talent. We'll yes. put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, I like that. I, I like think that. that this weekend is going to be interesting because, I mean, we haven't really besides Texas Tech, Casey hadn't been challenged, and they got absolutely punched in the mouth on Thursday night when they lost seventeen to one to Tech. I have another quote from Pete, but I I don't have it here for the show. But he he said, you know, not very many teams come back from a seventeen to one deficit to beat the number three team in the country two out of three times, and he's exactly right. I mean, the resiliency of this group of kids is is something that we haven't seen out of any K State sports team in a while. I mean, how many times did K State basketball get absolutely demolished and then they just get demolished the next game? Well, that didn't happen with K State. How many times K State football get absolutely demolished and then that kind of continues and it goes you know a downward slide the rest of the way? I really like Pete Hughes. I really like what they're doing with this program. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, I'm very happy with the direction of this program. I personally think it's going to be a great three-game set. And I'm really looking forward to it. Colin, I appreciate you coming on tonight. We really enjoyed having you. 
I, I enjoy being here, and I, I agree. That's my last little statement there. I think Pete Hughes being a third-year head coach, bringing in the staff that he brought in, I think that the future is looking – I think for all K-State sports, I think you look at the football team with all the talent that they have going there, there's a lot of bright spots there. Say what you will about basketball, I think that we can improve – and I think that once we get more chemistry and we get that figured out, I think we'll be a lot better. And I just love how – I've never been really a big baseball guy at all. I'm, you know, short, fat, and white. So, I mean, <laughs> not really like other anything else than an offensive lineman. So, yeah. I mean, never really played basketball. I only played baseball in the summers when I was younger. And I golfed. Like, <laughs> I mean, what else do you want from me? But, you know, I've never been a huge baseball guy, but I enjoy watching K-State baseball when they're playing the way that they're playing right now. It's always a fun time, so appreciate you for coming on, Colin. And, Ryan, as we kind of shift gears here, this is where it starts to get interesting. Because I have a quote to play you, and it's about the national championship winning Baylor Bears. Okay, This is from Scott Drew, and it's just a short clip. But I want you to listen to him talking, and I'm going to make a wild comparison, and it's going to absolutely blow your mind. Are you ready for this? No, but all right, I don't think you're going to stop. So Here goes nothing. Hit it. Well, I, I can tell you that uh, our guys have been motivated all year. It's a player-led team. We're so blessed to have unbelievable uh, upperclassmen and leadership. Um, but we play with a, a, a culture of joy, and that's uh, Jesus, others, yourself. They came out, and uh, uh, they fed off of each other. We got off to a great start. And then uh, defensively, uh, um, we're pretty good. Okay. There's some things to digest in that little clip. Okay? Now stick with me here. You gonna have do you trust me? I, I that's all I really can do because I'm really confused right now, man. Okay. I'm gonna play it again, and I want you to listen closely. And I want you to think about, hear me out, what Bruce Weber always talks about. Okay? I'm gonna no play it one kidding. more time. Okay. Something clicked there. Okay. I'm gonna play it one more time. Right, right. And I want you to listen and see if what he's talking about you've ever heard from the Silver Fox, Bruce Weber. Well, I, I can tell you that uh, our guys have been motivated all year. It's a player-led team. We're so blessed to have unbelievable uh, upperclassmen and leadership. Um, but we play with a, a, a culture of joy, and that's uh, Jesus, others, yourself. They came out, and uh, uh, they fed off of each other. We got off to a great start. And then uh, defensively, uh, um, we're pretty good. Okay. Player-led team. Check. K-State, does that check off? Yes. You'd say that they're pretty player-led? Check. Do they play with joy? Check. Smiley faces on the whiteboard from Coach Jesus. Weber. Over. You're, whatever. I don't know what it is. Check. Um, let's see. What else am I missing? Uh, oh, yeah. Senior-laden team. Does Bruce Weber always talk about we have to have veteran leadership? It's senior-led team, but yes, check. Yes. Senior-led team. Okay. And the last one. Good defense. Brusketball. Check. If they, they hate us because they ain't us. If Baylor can do it. Why can't we? Hey, we were like, what, six points away from that? I'm telling you, it's just like last year. We lost to Baylor by, what, six, nine points in, in the Big 12 title game? Yeah, something like that. We were nine points away from a national title game. Because think about it this way. Last year, kind of kind of a toilet toilet bowl season, put it that way. We go into the, into the tournament on a heater. On a heater. We're running. We're running. We beat Iowa State. We beat TCU right last year. Who did we beat last year? Yep. COVID shuts us down. This year, on a heater, on a heater, we lose by nine points to the national championship. I'm telling you, K-State was nine points out of a national title game. Okay, so 
<laughs> All kidding aside, that's what Bruce Weber wants to do. And I think it, that that was very interesting to me because, I mean, that's exactly how Bruce wants to play, but he just doesn't have the guys to do it. So, you know. Yeah, no. I say don't what think- you want. It helps. It helps when you have like you know the whole the whole culture and everything like that. But it also helps when you have dudes that do not <laughs> miss from the three point line. How about that game? What are your thoughts of that game as a whole? For the if you're a Big Twelve fan, it was great. If you're a college basketball fan, your expectations really were dropped there because you're coming off an absolute heater of a game in the Final Four between Gonzaga and UCLA, and then Gonzaga just poops it away, and Baylor comes out and wins by twenty. So I mean. Yes, Baylor's a great team. Uh, Gonzaga was not really ready for their, I mean, their aggressiveness on defense. And I saw something that says Baylor lifts with their football team. I believe it because they were freakishly strong. But after the season that Gonzaga had, and then to lose like that, that just hurts. That's I don't know. That that was what was sad. Was you saw Gonzaga play great basketball from the round of sixty four all the way to the national title, all the way to the final four. Mm And then to have your season in like that, which that sucks just to watch it as a basketball fan. But you can't complain as a tournament about the tournament as a whole. That tournament was especially – I mean, it lived up to all the hype, especially after the whole COVID year last yeah. year. It was a, it was a great uh, great to put us back on track. And the, the two best teams played in the national yeah. championship game. Mm-hmm. And we can't say that very often when it comes to college basketball. I mean, you can't, no, you can't. But it was great to see the two best teams duke it out and – the best team won, and unfortunately, it wasn't a, it wasn't the best game. But the best team won, like you just said, the best team won. And I thought, you know, you're right. They just didn't miss. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that I think. Like, I mean, they didn't they didn't miss the entire tournament, basically. N- well, that's why they were so good. And that COVID break really hurt Baylor when they were they had to pause for COVID and they were out a while. That really hurt them. Um, the the true Baylor team was the team that was playing in the NCAA tournament. So I'm happy for Scott Drew. I'm happy for Baylor. I'm happy for the Big 12. And I kind of threw the comparison to K-State out there. That's very, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I guess I could say. Yeah, you're taking that one with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. But my next question for you, Ryan, is what does this mean for KU? (laughs) There's a lot. This is probably... We're supposed to talk about this for five more five more minutes, okay? But well, if you want me to sit here and talk about KU for five minutes, I'll just sit here and be quiet. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. What does it mean for KU? Because I have a very strong opinion on this, and I want to know what you think because think, there's different think, layers to look at this. In the words of of Ross Volkmer, radio show guy back in Goodland, you're the king until you're dethroned. And I think KU was dethroned as as Big Twelve, of course. I'm not talking nationally, but in the Big Twelve, KU is not the best. Like it's not. We it's not putting together a team to beat KU. Now you're putting together a team to beat Baylor. You're, I mean, this Baylor team is really good. So I think KU is now down in the pack. They're not. They can't. They don't have that 14 year mm-hmm. streak. They have what a couple of first and second round exits in the national ti- in the national tournament the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I I mean they're still KU. Of course they're still a blue collar school, but. Or blue blood school. I don't know why I said blue collar. Blue collar. Blue blood. <laughs> they are. But, they're. They're not blue collar. I'll tell you that right yeah, now. A little bit more white bad, collar. My bad. But uh, no. They're uh, they're their stocks taking a little hit. I I agree with that. And we were talking about this on the Powercat podcast, and I was the only one who thought that. I thought that now instead of teams trying to compete with KU, KU is trying to compete with Baylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is everything on the court. For the la- I mean, for the last and 15 recruiting years. For the last fifteen years, it's. What can we do to beat KU? Who's going to dethrone KU this year? 
Who's who is going to tie for a share of the regular season title game with the, with KU? So now it's it's completely different. And I, mean. I don't think it's so much as chasing Baylor as it just as it's, no, it's anybody's league. Exactly. I shouldn't have said chasing Baylor because it is kind of it's not it's wide open. Yeah. Because I mean Baylor Baylor's not going to go on a 15 year sheer of dominance. No. It's you have great teams. You saw this year in in the Big 12. They were a top 3 conference. I mean, you had some of the best basketball being played in the Big 12. Our one th- our Seventh seed in the Big 12 tournament was ranked. We had talent all the way down. So this this conference is, I mean, contrary to what K-State and Iowa State do down there, <laughs> this is a good conference. I think so, too. And I and I think it's good for basketball that teams like Baylor are stepping up and, and being becoming national title mm-hmm. contenders because it's no fun when it's Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina and Kansas every single year. We need the Baylors. You know, we, we rely on on college basketball to give us that, like, craziness because with college football you know you're going to be watching Alabama and Clemson in the national title game. I think what's so good is the fact that Baylor was the best team in the country and they proved it and they proved it by by having a senior led team by having veteran guys Scott Drew doesn't go out and get these one and done guys he goes out and gets these four sometimes five star recruits that he knows he can keep around for anywhere from two to four years he can teach them the system he can develop them he can make them good basketball players and that's how you win. If and you want to be a good college basketball team, you can't you can't be a one and done team. Like one and duns are not going to win you national. Not anymore. Games. You're not. I mean, unless you can get a Zion or something every year, one and duns are not going to win you national title games. You need senior led. I mean, look at all the 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 great KU teams of our lives. At least they always had some senior or fifth year senior guard that was a great leader who could go out and get you 25 a game because he'd been there and been in those situations. But when you're Duke, Kentucky, you're throwing out five freshmen every game it was cool when the fab five did it because they were the first ones to do it but now when everybody does it you're not going to win games you're going to win games but you're not going to win national title games that's what i'm saying who do you think is the next baylor i mean like do you think that there's another program in the big 12 that can be to the level of dominance because before i would say texas Tech. i, I was going to say texas but Tech, now but that chris beard's yeah. going to texas i, I don't I'm think not texas, say is, texas no chris beard does not mean that much I'm not going to say Texas. Because it's still Texas. Exactly. Um, those are still Shock of Smarts players. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I think we're going to see great basketball once again in the Big 12 next year. Maybe not from K-State. Who knows? Our fingers maybe, are maybe crossed. So. Our fingers are crossed. But um, I think we're going to see great basketball regardless, no matter who's uh, winning the Big 12. So, from one sport in football to another sport in baseball to another sport in basketball – we go back to where it started with football. The NFL draft is right around the corner. And that means there's going to be, this year, a lot of quarterbacks taken in the beginning. I'm looking at Peter Schrager of NFL Network's mock draft right now, Ryan. And I, th- this is kind of what I figured. You know how many quarterbacks he has going in the first four could, p- in the first four picks? Four. Four. I mean, there, now there's a chance we could see like six quarterbacks, seven quarterbacks taken in the first round. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you the teams and their picks according to Peter, Peter Schrager. Okay. Okay. For the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence. No way, dude. No way. You're kidding. I'm kidding. The Jets number two, Zach Wilson. Which, I, I, don't I that is yes. That's a that's not even a question. You Zach Wilson gonna, is good. So he's gonna go to he's gonna go to. Now this is where it gets interesting. This is where I'm start. My question marks come. 
three. Mac. I'm not. If I'm the 49ers and I am going to go for a quarterback, I'm not wasting my time with Trey Lance. Well, uh, something scares me with that in North Dakota State quarterback. Well, they're going to reach and draft Mac Jones. You think they're going to go Mac Jones because it's it's Mac Jones or Justin Fields. They have Mac Jones. Peter Sugar has Matt jo- Mac Jones going three. Both of those dudes scare me. Justin Fields and Mac Jones both scare me. Uh, with the fourth pick, the Patriots go with Justin Fields. The fourth, the Patriots. Yes, this would be a trade that rocks the NFL, but I don't think it's too crazy. The Patriots don't envision having I, a pick as high as they I'm currently do. I'm not sure if it was a dream or if I read it somewhere, but at one point I thought the Broncos had the fourth pick. They traded it with the Falcons. I don't know if that was a rumor I read or if I was just in a heavy slumber sure. one night. But Well, I'm just reading you. According to Peter Schrager, this is what's going to happen. So well, I mean, Cordon Ryan, it could have, it could happen, you know. I, I I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna get off of this because I don't want to see that. I'm gonna go to SB Nation's mock draft because I just want to see like. So a, what do you think? What do you think the Bengals do at five? That's my question. Do they go, what Joe Burrow wants them to do, and draft Jamar Chase, or do they draft Pina Sewell, who's gonna be another yeah. Quentin Nelson, and just be a mauler? Because Joe Burrow got sacked more than probably anybody in the league did last year. Well. I think that you need to give him weapons, but I think you need to protect him first and foremost. I mean, right? That that would be what you would think. Yes, but what do you what do you value more? Are you going to go protection in the f- with the fifth overall pick, or are you yes. going to go weapons? So well, you're, you're going in the with, case of the Bengals. Yes, you're going with Lyman over Jamar Chase. Even I would personally, yeah, because I think, I feel, I, that's what I would do too. Yeah. So okay, I'm looking at CBS Sports. So same thing: Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, Mac Jones three. Uh, with the Falcons, assuming that they still have the fourth pick, they have Trey Lo- Trey Lance going four. So Justin Fields would not be within the first. Seems four like picks. a seems like a, a Jordan Love type pick right there. It does, sit. doesn't it? Jamar Chase would go five to the Bengals, according to them. Kyle Pitts going six to the Dolphins, and Ooh, that would be scary. See, honestly, I think they're going to get Smith from Alabama. So Tua can throw to Smith. Either way, that would be really scary. And then they have Justin Fields going seven to the Broncos. Seven to the Broncos. This says mock trade. Mock trade from the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields to the Broncos. Ah. They're going to trade up to get a quarterback. They're going to. You think they're going to draft a quarterback? I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger. I hope not because like something about that Broncos drafting a quarterback scares the ever living crap out of me. Jalen Waddle to the. As I'm just kind of scrolling down here, Jalen Waddle to the Lions. Patrick Sertan to the the Cowboys. Devontae Smith falling all the way from 12 to 12. At the Eagles? Yes. That could be interesting with him and Jalen Hurts. That could be very They'd finally get a good receiver after missing literally like the best receivers in the last two classes. So um, Another as of note, Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU to the Raiders. Um, Where are the Chiefs going with 31? Well, that's I don't I don't, I don't care down. what CBS Sports. What what does Cole Carmody think? I have no idea. I think they need to go lineman, quite honestly. They that's have him picking Jalen Mayfield from take. Michigan. Uh, so I, I I would be open to any single offensive lineman that they think they need to draft. But I've also saw Peter Schrager, when I go back to his mock draft, he hasn't picking a receiver. Which so, so what what is What's your like hot take for this draft? What do you th- what what do you think is going to be like the thing we talk about besides like some crazy pick? Like what's what's a crazy pick or like does somebody go besides Trevor Lawrence at one? Like something. The hot. only way. What, the th- only is that thing, happen? The only thing that I could see happening is Justin Fields going one because, Just of, because Urban of Urban Meyer. Meyer. That's the only thing that I could think of. God, how, there, there's that, no way that's gonna happen. That would be insane. Like you're passing on literally like the second coming of Jesus Christ in a football uniform. What? Because he has the long hair. Basically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He's like, 
he's three years out of puberty. We give him some time to grow a mustache, and why, there he is. Why the hell is Mac Jones going to go to the 49ers? That is the worst pick of all time. I don't Mac know. Jones Mac Jones is not going to be good. I, that, really? I'm going to clip this. Why? Why? What, what makes you say that? Just because he's thrown to five first-round picks in the last two years or last year? Well, I mean, and the fact that he has only started one year in college. I mean, you can't hey, tell hey, me. Hey, 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 Mitch Trubisky started one year, and he, he has an MVP. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you want to talk about starting one year. I don't know. I'm actually excited. Mac Jones is one that excites me. But Would I'm, you rather have Mac Jones or Justin Fields? Mac Jones. Justin Fields scares me because what about just, think about Ohio State quarterbacks. I know Justin Fields is not a regular Ohio State quarterback, but think about the Ohio State quarterbacks of past: no, Cardell Jones, J.T. Barrett, Braxton Miller, um, Terrell Pryor, just to name a few. I get that, but at the same time, he's Justin Fields. I don't think there's any really like people are so there's like, no red flags with him, which that's kind of what scares me too. But why do they want to draft Mac Jones? They have Jimmy G. Like I get that they don't want him. That's another thing that kind of shocks me. Was what are the odds they don't go quarterback? Well, that's kind of what I think. Are they going to go? But they wouldn't trade up that high to. Are they going to go receiver? I mean, you think they're they're get trading into the third pick to go receiver? No, they're trading the third pick to get their guy at quarterback. Which is either going to be Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. Dude, I don't know. Something scares me with the 49ers. They're going to do something weird. Because, like, do, don't you think that they John Lynch is a hell of a genius. Don't though. you th- He is. I wish he could have came to Denver, you know? I don't. But I wouldn't say that's not out of the question yet. Don't be surprised well, if he I'm comes talking, back. I'm more of a now kind of guy. But, uh, what do you, don't you think they, they would have already traded Jimmy G? That's what, that's what I think. Yeah. Unless they're just going to cut him. Why? He's a quarter. He's proven that he's of value in this league. So do you think? So don't pull a, a Rockies and sell him away and just pay him. Get something for him besides fifty million dollars. All right. Get well, a copying machine for for something. He's either going to get traded to the Patriots, which I could see still. I could. Even though they have Cam, I don't think that they're sold. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Cam's a. I mean, Cam's getting old. We all know that. So, but still, I don't understand the point of Mac Jones. Like. Is he really that much better than Justin Fields and Trey Lance? Like, honestly. I, 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 think, I, I think, I mean, the only thing that Justin Fields has on him is he can move a lot better, but Mac Jones throws a pretty ball, which that's one thing all of these guys do is throw a pretty ball. And in this, in Peter Schrager's mock, he has um, number nine Denver Broncos drafting Trey Lance. How would you feel about that? I really think them go. I see them going either Micah Parsons from Penn State or Patrick Sertain from Alabama. I see him going defense, and letting Drew Locke kind of have his year again. But at the same time, again? I'm gonna be I'm, yeah, yeah. I said again, I'm gonna be really upset if we pass on like what's looking like one of the best quarterback classes ever. But see, I don't know if it's that good. I don't either, dude. This scares me. I am sold on Trevor Lawrence and that and Zach Wilson. That is it. The, yeah, and and I'm probably honestly wrong about Zach Wilson. Like I'm not right when it comes to draft stuff. I once said that like, what was it? Uh, Nikhil Harry was going to be the number one overall pick <laughs> over Kyler Murray. So I'm not the most. I'm not your expert here. I would say that Trevor Lawrence is the only quarterback that I would feel comfortable drafting right now. Now, I'm sure people said that about Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson too. I know they said it about Deshaun Watson, but and that, you know, Mahomes. you know, they also said it about Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> well, that is true. So. The NFL draft scares the crap out of me, man. Aren't you happy you're not a GM? Yeah, but at the same time, I wish. You know how fun it'd be to be sitting there in draft day and just in a war with yourself on who you want to pick? Oh, they know who they're Like you, pick. You have like hundreds of thousands of people breathing down your neck, and you don't know a single one of their names. 
But that decision is huge. Oh my goodness, I live for it. I thrive. Okay, so who do you so who do you want the Broncos to take? Because you asked me who I want the Chiefs to take. Who do you want the Broncos to take? I mean, I'm an offensive guy, so I would love to see another weapon get like picked up and get another Alabama receiver. But um, the more I look at Micah Parsons and Patrick Sertain, for that matter, we just lost AJ Boye to the uh, Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, he got traded. Patrick Sertain would fill that spot. I think he's going to be a great cornerback in the league. Um, and then Micah Parsons has kind of got. Don't hate me on this, but he's got a lot of Isaiah Simmons type type mm, uh, I like build. It. He's extremely fast. He can play anywhere. He doesn't miss tackles. He's he's another guy that excites me, and that's where I think they're going to go is on the defensive side of the ball. It's time for America's favorite segment. You know what that is, Ryan? Yes, I do now. I've I've Who done it long enough. It's the dog of the week. Ron, I want you to play your dog of the week first. Tell me your dog of the week first because I have to play my dog of the week. All right. So if you were uh, if you were living under a rock today and didn't watch the Masters, Tommy Fleetwood absolutely peered one on hole 16. And peered. Wait, peered. Peered it. Like, it, you know, hit that, hit it perfectly off the club Is pace. that a golf? Is that a, a golf, golf term? term? Yes, okay. it's a golf term. He peered it. It means he hit it purely. He squared it up. He squared. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he really got a hold of that one. Yeah. Uh, no, he hit a hole in one on hole 16 today at the Masters. So Tommy Fleetwood is my dog of the week. Have you been enjoying the Masters so far? I'm fired up about the Masters. I don't know like a lick about golf, but I love the Masters mainly because it got me out of class in high school. I I suck at golf. Oh, I do too. But I love to go out and just ride around on a golf course. But at least you know how to play. That's true. I do know a little bit more about you, about uh, it than you. But whatever. Okay. My, I may not be better than you, though. I, I'm pretty rough around the edges. Uh, my dog of the week is a coach by the name of Bob Green. And who is Bob Green, you ask? Well, the answer to that question is I really don't know. found him on Twitter one day, looked him up on YouTube. He's pretty funny. He's the coach, or he was the former coach at Montana Tech, an NAIA school in, you guessed it, Montana. And he has some amazing sound bites, and he's my dog of the week this week just because it's Bob Green and here's the best of Bob Green. The key to the win was that your diggers took control early. Kind of like when you get married. That first day your wife takes control early and that's what the ore diggers did. Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. Uh, you know and that's a double-edged sword you know. <laughs> It's kind of like uh, watching your mother-in-law go off a cliff in a Cadillac. <laughs> you know, you got mixed feelings. He's like that black lab on the first day of pheasant hunting season. He was pulling at the chain. We're kind of like a woodpecker in a petrified forest. You know, just keep busy and look for opportunities. I wanted to raise my kids using a depth chart. Can you imagine that? I wanted that. Pam Green vetoed that idea. I got a short memory, just like when I was in the third grade. Two of the best years of my life. I don't like that bottled water. I like that butte water. You get to eat and drink at the same time. Some aspects look like we're really ready to play. A couple of other aspects look like we just got off Willie Nelson's tour bus. His attitude's positive. He thinks he could take on hell with a squirt gun. It's kind of like that T-bone steak dinner with all the trimmings. They played a complete game. You know, with Jacksonville, what more can happen? Jacksonville's so bad they sentenced prisoners to attend the games. Uh, everybody expects you to win. Uh, my wife couldn't go to church with me on Sunday, and everybody said, where is she? I said, she doesn't go out with losers. I had a 6 ACT in 1967. Uh, one time I got an A, and my grandma beat me for cheating. And all the calls I made on fourth down all those years, 
You know what my favorite fourth down call was? What? Punt. It was the most successful play we had. Bob Green, you're the dog of the week. Ryan, what do you think about that? I wonder what it would be like to raise your kids on a depth chart system. <laughs> but I did like the, the mother-in-law in a Cadillac off the cliff. That's the best one. Oh, gosh. Mixed emotions, man. Okay, well, moving on from Bob Green. Bob Green will always have a special place in my heart. Could you imagine playing for a guy like that? That'd be that'd be really fun. But I bet it would. Yeah, I bet he was. I bet he was pretty hard coach. Oh, I bet he was an a hole man. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that statement. Um, biggest winner, Ryan. So my have? biggest winner is America, because I mean, yes, we did kind of have a pooper with the national title game, but we had a Final Four that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Baylor, of course, just took Houston to the shed, but then. UCLA came in and gave Gonzaga a run for their money, which no one had done that before in the tournament. So that was a lot of fun to watch. And then, yeah, you had your Baylor butt whooping on Gonzaga. And then now we get the Masters, man. It's the best time of the year. It'd be nice if we had a spring break in between somewhere like that. But <laughs> We have hey, a mental health day. <laughs> we, get, we get a mental health day in the Masters, dang it. So I'm fired up. America's our winner of the week. Hello, friends. Cole Carmody here. Did I do that right? No, no, you dang didn't. It. Uh, my biggest Give that one to Jim. My biggest winner of the week is Pete Hughes and K State baseball. We were talking about it earlier with Colin, but just super proud of those guys taking two or three from Texas Tech, following that up with an impressive two-game series sweep of the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. Congratulations, Pete Hughes. Congratulations, K State baseball. You're the biggest winner of the week. Good luck this weekend against the Texas Longhorns. Biggest loser, Ryan. Who do you have? The Cubs. Chicago Cubs. Mm. The National League pitchers are batting a combined 156. The Chicago Cubs team batting average is 124. Oh, my God. That was going to be my stat of the day, but, God, that's just an L. So that's wow. your losers for that one. That's yeah. awful. Yeah, no, I don't know how that works. But, yeah, team batting average of 124. Who's their highest hitter? Oh, I was looking at this. Uh, Chris Bryant's hitting 200. Oh, let me get back to it. Come on now. Oh, Probably Chris Bryant or Javi Baez, right? Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, or Anthony Rizzo. I mean, there's not many, many more that I can see taking it home. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bryant is hitting 250. Javi Baez is hitting 200. Wow, there is so many people on here with under 100 batting average. Oh, here we go. Jake Mariznick is batting 300. And he is the leading hitter. He is their best hitter in there, yes. Huh. Well, that sucks. We're going to stick in the major leagues for my biggest loser, and that is the Oakland Athletics. They are 1-6 to start the year with a negative 36 run differential. How are you negative 36 run differential seven games into the season? That just doesn't seem good. <laughs> no, that does not seem good, does it, Cole? It really doesn't. And no, it doesn't. When you throw negatives in numbers, it just gets hairy, and that's bad. I just, like, ah. Oh, they, they finally won yesterday. They got a walk-off, so... They got their first win. They're not 0-7, but they might as well be because that is just not good at all. Um, biggest loser, the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Cubs. Random stat, Ryan. So recently, a letter uh, written by Babe Ruth. Um, How recent? I don't know when. The, no, this is a very old letter, of course. He wrote it back then. Well, but I, I, don't know know when, I don't know when this was exactly sold. But for $200,000, a man bought a letter written from Babe Ruth to his uh, mistress telling him to, to leave me the heck alone. So, Wait, he told his mistress that? He, oh, yeah, he was or telling he his, his mistress. No, he told his mistress to, to quit uh, calling me up all the time. So, 
I guess he was kind. Of, he was, I guess he was starting to get caught up, and he was a little worried about it. So he had to put babe, his foot down. Was do you know, do you think Babe was like a ladies' man, or oh, do you I think bet. they just like him for money? I bet Babe had a, a career kind of like Wilt. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that one. Um, my random stat of the week, sticking with the New York Yankees, actually. Did you know Mickey Mantle was originally a shortstop? I did. I read that earlier. But after committing 102 errors in his last two seasons in the minors, they moved him to the outfield. Imagine if Mickey Mantle just kind of like said, screw it. I'm done with this. I made 102 errors and quit. Could you, that, I mean, that's crazy. That's that could like, happen. Like, think about how many stories are like that. We wouldn't know who Mickey Mantle is today. That's crazy. Damn. Mickey Mantle is the only reason that I made it through geology. Geology? Yeah, the mantle <laughs> in the center of the earth. Wow, dude. College is hard, friends. Don't listen to your high school teachers. You can do it. We can do it. Okay, picks. And then we got to go. Who's winning the Masters this weekend? I'm still on the Jordan Spieth coming from the backdoor heater. He's in eighth right now. He's uh, one under, I believe. I'm not looking at the live right now. But Jordan Spieth, he always plays good at Augusta. He just won a tournament. Looking for him and coming in the back door. I'm going to go ahead and say Dustin Johnson repeats. Is that is that a wild? That's a bold call. I don't know anything about golf. Yeah, I know. I, I know when I heard uh, somebody asked you about golf and you said Bryson DeChambeau. It was just a cliche answer, but I figured out you didn't really know much. It's kind of like saying Morgan Wallen's my favorite country singer. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, you're just, it's kind of like pushing your mother-in-law over the cliff in a Cadillac. It's a double-edged sword. Sure, we'll put it that way. Gee, many crickets. Okay, um, K-State baseball, do they win? Do they take two out of three? I think they sweep Texas. They sweep Texas? They're on a heater right now. Texas Tech is, they, they demoralize them after taking two or three from them. They keep it going. All right, I'm going to say K-State wins two out of three. Everybody, thanks for sticking around with us tonight. Hope you had as much fun as we did. We'll be back next week. 67 right here, Wildcat 91.9. This is the Night Shift. Everybody, take care, stay safe. We'll see you next week. Peace.